the network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. This is AV Week. Episode 131, recorded Friday, February 21st, 2014. Frozen Bill Gates. Ready. AV, AV Week. Performing scan. Week. Online. This is AV Week. This is AV Week, your weekly wrap-up of audiovisual news and information. My name's Tim Albert. I'm your host. How are you? Uh, the noise you hear in the background is Matt D. Scott. He's from Omega Audio Video. Proud Canadian this morning. Look at the camera, Mr. Scott. I'm looking. Sorry. Say hi. Hi. Uh, Matt's doing it from his, his work truck because he's getting ready to go to a work site. That's how dedicated this brother is. Uh, we are hardcore. We are hardcore. Uh, and as a, an American, congratulations to the women's hockey team. I understand you were left wing on that team, so. I was left wing. <laughs> yes. yes, I was. Yeah. Sorry. You could tell by my pink skates. Yes. All right. <laughs> uh, and from, I didn't make the cut. I know. Uh, you wouldn't. Uh, <laughs> no, Josh Shraga. Josh Shraga was also here from ICS and SoundReason.org. How are you, sir? Doing well. It's still too early on the West Coast. I'm sorry. That's one thing about doing it this early. Uh, the fact that you know Josh was nice enough to. To join us, I said, you know, I'm doing it like at 10 Eastern. That's like 5 a.m. Pacific time. He's like, yeah, that's fine. So, uh, he's this, dedicated. He is dedicated. dedicated. Uh, this week, we're going to talk about a couple interesting products. One is uh, some, they're not fake cables. They're just cables that don't do a darn thing. And you shouldn't be buying them, and you need to educate your, your, your customers not to buy them. Uh, some companies that sell lamps found some fake ones in their uh, in their inventory, and we're going to talk about how to mitigate that uh, in your own inventory and how to you know tell if you got a bad one. Sony is bringing smaller 4Ks, and I'm questioning why, and so I'm going to ask these two smart guys as to why. And we're going to talk about a new switcher from Extron that some people think is the competitor to the. Uh, Innova from AMX and the DMPS from Crestron, and I personally do not. Uh, but first, this week, uh, Infocom 2014 announced that it has opened its registration. So if you are going to Infocom 2014, sponsored by Microsoft, Crestron, and uh, Panasonic, um, get yourself online. Go to infocomshow.org. Uh, there's a couple different reasons to go, um, not the least of which is you get to see you know, Matt Scott's lovely face. Um, yeah, well, that's you know. kind of the reason to go. Well, you, you're all you're always very well dressed. Like, come on, yeah. What? Why else would you go? It's like it's Vegas. There's nothing to do. <laughs> yeah, there's nothing, nothing to, to see. Vegas. It's the middle of the <laughs> desert. Who wants to go there in June? Exactly. Well, well, actually, nobody wants to go there in June. No, nobody does want to <laughs> go there in June. Nasty it's, in June. It's hot. Yeah. Um, you know, Josh can probably you know grab a bus and be there in half an hour because he's in San Francisco. A little um, farther than that, but, but yeah. <laughs> you know what, dude? I'm from the Midwest. Everything outside outside of the, you know, Missouri and Illinois and Indiana is, is too far for me. Uh, really. <laughs> uh, so here's the thing, guys. What's, what's one or two things that we are looking forward to either coming out of Infocom as far as products or maybe training or, or what have you? Josh, I know that you're, you're doing a presentation or you're doing a class there. 
Um, yep. So let's start, let's start with there. What class are you doing? And then maybe what what's some other things you guys are looking forward to? I'm going to be teaching uh, audio DSP fundamentals on Thursday, June 19th at 10.30 a.m., schedule number IS043. Oh, oh, yeah, no, I'm pitching already. <laughs> uh, it's basically I'm going to be t talking about gain structure and, and proper DSP elements because one of my biggest pet peeves with the AV industry is that it's always big V, little a, and unfortunately that means a lot of the audio training has sort of tailed off. And while SynodCon is a really good place to get an audio, audio education, in, and as I've, I've talked about previously, Infocom's audio training has sort of been very manufacturer-specific, so this is yep. going to be much more broad knowledge, and uh, I'm hoping for a good attendance. So I'm looking forward to teaching that. Um, I'm also going to be helping out with some of the Infocom standards uh, task group stuff while I'm there. And uh, so those are a couple of things I'm looking forward to. But gear-wise... You know, I I'm I, I would like to see really whether or not any of these video companies are going to slyly start sneaking people into the back corner of their booths to show off a little bit of AVB product. Mm -hmm. I want to know if because it's getting to the point where it can't be ignored anymore. It's gotten enough traction and it's got enough people behind it, especially yep. with Crestron backing it back in January. That you gotta wonder whether or not video companies are going to start to take a, even just a little bit of notice. And uh, so I'm curious about that. Um, that's really the big thing that I, I want to see what's going to happen with. And then, um, well, I, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, there's there's always surprises in those yeah. little back corner 10 by 10s. You know what? That's, that's one of the things that, that we've talked about before on this show. And um, one of our, our frequent um, contributors, Don Mead, says that's her favorite part is just go back in the, in the back 40. And these are the guys that and gals that have the 10 by 10 boost that you're going to find some of the coolest things in the world. So uh, absolutely. Mr. Scott, what are you besides the food? Because you're a big foodie. Uh, what are you uh, looking forward to? I may have, may have already started to plan my menu. I don't I wouldn't but... doubt it. <laughs> Where am I taking you to dinner this year? Oh, we'll find someplace. Okay. I know a few. I I'm sure few. you do. Craft steaks right up there. Oh, jeez. That, that might be the one. You're killing me. <laughs> um, as far as Infocom, you know, one of the biggest things or one of the biggest proponents I have of, of going to the shows that I try to encourage people about is, you know, it, it is all about the gear, but so much of it can be and should be about the people and, you know, continuing to develop those relationships and, and meet, you know, again, not only meet new new people and new faces, but continuing to strengthen those relationships you already have. Yeah. Because unfortunately, in the you know in this era of video conferencing and Google Hangouts and stuff like this, you know, we do a lot of this type of interfacing uh, with suppliers and whatnot. But we still, especially especially where I am, I, I don't get rep visits very often. I don't get a lot of those because I live in the middle of nowhere. I know. Yeah. Um, but you know, it, it's one of those things. We I don't get the face to faces as often, so I love taking uh, advantage at these shows to get, you know, some some FaceTime with some of these suppliers and and you know also just some friends in the industry. It's very I, I think it's very important and I think it's kind of overlooked a lot. Uh, but as far as tech, I, I've got to second that. You know, getting back into the the smaller booths because. When you think about it, most of the great tech that we use today started out in one of those little booths. Yeah. 
you know, last year, uh, you know, we met the guys from Beam, and they didn't have a, you know, a 10 by 10, but they had a small little booth in the back corner by the bathrooms and a crappy little food court. Yeah. And that was one of the highlights of the show last year. And, you know, again, it's one of those things when you can get out of your box and, you know, yes, we'll all make it into the Amex booths, we'll make it into the Crestron booths, we'll see all the the big guys and all the big stuff that they've been touting and flooding our inboxes for months on. But it's finding those those little guys that are bringing something really cool and also those those products, I've, I've written about this countless times, it's about finding those products and, and touching, you know, being able to feel them and, and try them uh, and see the, the little products that help you every day. Not everyone's going to, you know, spec 4K DM switchers. Yeah. As cool as they are and as much as everyone's going to want to go see them, touch them, feel them, play with them, look at them, one of the biggest things I like to see is when guys get into finding those things that help make them money every day, opposed to just the flashy products that everyone's going to see and everyone's going to write about. Yeah, but it's, so, it's finding those, it's, it's, the, it's the, uh, the diamond in the rough, as it were. Not, yeah, it's, it's the diamond in the rough, and just, it's you know just things that help you, opposed to things that are just cool. Yeah, absolutely, and I, you know what? I almost had forgotten about the Beam guys. I'd be interested to see what they do this year, because well, they, they were—I had... mean, they were. He, he it, 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 we, we had him on the show uh, where we were at Infocom last year, and he was like, you know, we should, we should next year we should bring like twenty thousand and, and have you know twenty thousand of these beams. If you don't know, don't remember what the beam was. It was it was this little, um, um, it was a personal video conferencing device and so it's a it's a monitor on a pair of wheels that you control remotely and you can walk around or roll around an event and you know he was he was all excited about bringing more next year well yeah he had big plans uh, i remember talking to him for quite a while outside of the the studio where we were recording before he was ready to go on and he was all pumped about the possibility of as you said bringing a bunch of these and renting them out to companies that could only send one or two people or companies that couldn't send one yeah. and give them you know, two hours or four hours with a beam so that they could traverse the show, drive around, see what they needed to see. And you know, again, get a little bit of that face-to-face while still being able to experience the show. And I, I would, I'd love to see if they're able to, to pull it off and get permission to do it. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> that was and, – and, and let's be honest, he also the way the, the device works is, is – Internet and sometimes getting yep. internet um, at LVCC? In, any show floor is is, yeah. is, is interesting. So, and then let's not forget our new friend Microsoft that's deciding to show up. This Who is year. that? This is this is interesting. <laughs> Who is this Microsoft you speak of that is, is a platinum sponsor? It's going to be a booth full of Link. Oh, shut <laughs> up! <laughs> wait, wait. Is is Zelda going to be there too? Oh, yes, he is. Oh, nice. Very well done. With his hat and his sword. Very well done. Maybe a bow and arrow. <laughs> yeah. um, if you didn't hear, yes, Microsoft is one of the platinum sponsors, and everybody and their brother has written ad nauseum as what we think they're bringing, and nobody really knows. It could be linked. It could be Surface. Shoot, it might be a bunch of Xbox Ones for all we know. It's I hope all- it's just a giant booth with one padded carpet and no gear. That's what, uh, just a giant empty booth. <laughs> what it's it's gonna be? It's gonna be Bill Gates behind glass. <laughs> so he's the new Walt Disney. I, he's the new, oh, I said oh, glass, sir. not frozen. There's, you know, he's on his way. <laughs> you know what? If there's somebody that, if there's one person that that would that would benefit, yeah, that would, you know, he he could do it. 
you know, we could use Bill Gates in, you know, another 100 years when he's, once he's thought out. Uh, all right, guys, uh, moving on from our friends over at Commercial Integrator, Craig McCormick writes about the Winter Olympics. And what does that have to do with AV, you ask? Well, a bunch of companies uh, threw their hat into helping um, the Olympics happen. Bosch uh, helped out with some of the uh, hotels that were put up very quickly. Um, uh, NBC is uh, using um, emerging technologies, Panasonic, and a bunch of folks uh, are just really helping out make, the, make this happen. So my question to you is, regardless of the fact that it's in Sochi and all of the horrible bathrooms slash hotels slash other issues that, that these Olympics have been plagued with, uh, Josh, we'll start with you on this one. Does it matter uh, to AV uh, companies? Is this is this a good idea? I guess is the best way to put it. Uh, to be you know putting their stuff out there, and whether it's it's a cost or it maybe just be free. Uh, to the Olympics and to the, to NBC, does it make an, uh, an impact on their bottom line? Is it is it a good idea? Yes, it is. Okay. Um, coming from, I mean, I used to work for TOA, and when the, the Olympics were in Beijing, there was a ton of TOA in that job, and we used it as huge PR booster, especially uh, when they decided that they want to enter the mass notification market. Mm. which is, you know, still trying to build up, which is one of the things that I saw in this one was uh, they they brought up the idea that not only are they doing the, is Bosch doing the security and the fire panels, but they also put the Presidio mass notification system in there yeah. and, and are using that to integrate between all the devices and, and do all the control and the announcements for the big Radisson hotel out there. So, yeah, it's, I mean... With an event like this that only comes along once every four years or two years, depending on whether or not you want to go summer and winter, it can be a big boon for them because it gives them uh, the ability to really emphasize a great deal of marketing for pretty minimal cost when you think about it. So it's it, it really can help the bottom line on the marketing in the long run. Is it going to do much for them in the short run? Well, only if people find a way to really monetize it. I mean, you really have to put a marketing push behind it before you can do much with it. But, yeah, if you can demonstrate what you were capable of doing, lots of uh, system diagrams and things like that as to how it worked and throw the weight of Olympics behind that system, you know, people are going to pay attention. Does, does it help when the Olympics are a success rather than, you know, a PR, I'm going to say nightmare, but a PR bad dream? When you're talking about it from the perspective of, you know, the issues of human rights that we keep hearing about that are going on in Russia, sure. that's going to be the thing that's remembered about. That, that, that's what we're going to remember from this Olympics, I think, more than anything else. Yeah. Uh, that and maybe all the, what is it, 19, gold, 19 medals that Netherlands won in speed skating. It's ridiculous, oh, yeah. It's insane. But beyond those two things, that's those are the two things I'm going to remember from this Olympics, are the human rights issues and 19 medals for Netherlands. And okay, they, fantastic. And they well, say they, pot slows you down. I'm just... Well, <laughs> sorry. Well, on the other hand, though, you got to think that most often when we think back about large events like this, we don't think about corporate sponsorship. Yeah. Now, if we're thinking of... Unless it it's Coke a, or McDonald's, you know. Right, yes. But if we're thinking about it from an AV perspective... You will remember, you know, again, as long as the systems function and, and there's no dramatic issues, that can be a good, uh, you know, again, PR push for those companies. The other thing to keep in mind is, um, you know, as you know, Tim, I've done a, a ton of House of Worship stuff. And mm -hmm. every, you know, six months after every Olympics, 
the market gets flooded quite quite effectively with all the Olympic paraphernalia because they sell off all this broadcast gear after the events are done. And it, it does become a big boon into the, the used market, especially for broadcast stuff, uh, of this stuff taking off and, and being widely available with, with all their cams and everything else that comes with it, which is always a, a nice little added bonus in the back end. Well, yeah, absolutely, because you know, they've got to do something with it. Actually, I have a, a friend of mine in, in St. Louis here who he's older now and retired, but back in the, in the 90s and the, in the 80s and the 90s, he worked for CBS and NBC, and that was part of what his deal was, is he would, he would engineer some of the Olympics and then help sell it off to sell nonprofits. Off. Yeah, yeah so. I, I remember we did a project after uh, the, the 2000 games, mm-hmm. um, and, and we were able to supply you know, uh, pretty much an entire rig minus switchers uh, from Olympic year, which, wow. which was great because it, it came in, you know, it's, it was used for a month mm-hmm. and then it's, it's done. So it, it's, it's great for that side as well. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Let's talk about something that most, some of us don't, you know, it's, it's not exciting, but it's interesting at least. Uh, Just Lamps discovers a fake lamp in its own stock. This is from uh, innovate on the net.net. Uh, quote unquote, after the embarrassment of finding fake Epson projector lamps in its stock, lamp distributor and counterfeit crusader. I like that line. Just Lamps is using this tale as a warning to resellers and users. So here's a question for you guys. Uh, first, how do you tell uh, a fake lamp from a real one? And how are how do we stop this uh, from happening again? Mr. Scott, we'll start with you on this one. Oh, gosh, it's you know, I've seen so many lamps that look real until you put them in and you, you turn it on and go, yeah, something's not right with this. Um, I, I've seen some very good counterfeits. It's becoming increasingly hard to tell the difference between the, the good counterfeits and the, and the real ones. Um, with the, the really cheap knockoffs, you can always tell in the you know, chassis construction and whatnot. But uh, it, I, I don't know. I don't have an answer for you. I wish I did. So, so here's uh, the well, here's the question for you. Then it is yeah. is it something where if you let's say that you buy it from Just Lamps, a, a reputable mm-hmm. company who, like the article states, is is on a crusade to stop this from happening, is it something where you immediately say you know, you call up the company you bought it from and say, look, you know, I got this thing and it doesn't look right or it doesn't. Um, it's not fitting quite right, or I have to, you know, I have to jiggle it to get in there, or it blew up as soon as I plugged it in. Uh, is that what you? Is, is that the process? Then is that what we're talking about? Where we let them know as soon as we know? Yeah, that that's always the best thing to do. I know uh, for ourselves, we never stock lamps. Yeah, uh, we literally bring them in as is. And to be perfectly honest, I try to buy from the manufacturer every time. I, I try not to use the resellers. I try not to use anybody else. Because again, there, there's just there's so many issues with that. Uh, so often getting stuff that's not up to par. Um, so f- for myself and, and our company, we pretty much always try to. If it's an Epson, we'll just buy it direct from Epson as long as we can get it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you do have to go back to them right away because it, it's like anything. If if I install a system for a client and in a year I get a call saying, you know that that bulb should have lasted this long. We only used it this much and it's dead. You know, it's very hard to, for us to come in and deal with that. But if I know right off, off the bat that there's a problem, I can address it. Yeah. So it, yeah, it takes a lot of um, due diligence on our side to, you know, ensure that 
we do all we can to inform the manufacturers or, or wherever we purchased a product from if there's an issue. Because the longer you let it sit, the the less chance it's going to get resolved effectively. That makes sense. Uh, Josh, not just lamps, but other things have uh, have cropped up in the in the counterfeit area. How do we stop this? Whether it's uh, you used to work for TOA, so whether it was a TOA uh, amp or, or a matrix, or you know it's a Crestron DM or it's a lamp. How do we how do we mitigate this? Uh, curtailing it is it's it's hard. Um, I mean, one of the biggest issue that you have is the fact that it's not happening. It, it's not a stateside issue. It's, it's oh no no yeah. The factories, it's you know these factories out there that, um, the way that uh, my understanding and I will admit that while I'm I'm probably deeper than most in this, I'm not as in depth as I possibly could have been while I worked for a manufacturer. You hire a factory, you give them the specs, you do to get the build out, you do the build out. Well, the thing is, they hold they don't necessarily return those specifications, or they don't necessarily not copy those specifications. And then the next manufacturer comes in to do their run, and they still have the specifications. Well, you know, things can get shifted, things can get changed, a new rubber stamp can get put on the box, a new label, and hey, look at that! It's a very similar product. Um, TOA had one specific speaker model that was probably the best seller they had, which was the HX5. Every trade show, they had five or six Japanese engineers that would wander the show floor looking at every audio company, and they would find at least three lawsuits just for that one wow. product. And we, there was cease and desist orders sent out every single year because people saw what this thing did and were like, whip, we're going to copy that. And it was just it was a product that people wanted, and people saw what TOA did and found a way to copy it. But I think they'd send out six cease and desist letters in the time I was there. Um, some of the companies, you know, they weren't big enough for it to really matter, but some of them, it was, it could have played a big impact. Um, the bigger issue in all of this, in terms of the stopping it, is less about guys like Matt and you and me. It's, think about the enterprise clients who have an in-house AV team. I mean, those AV guys aren't necessarily going to know what a counterfeit is versus not a counterfeit. These are guys that are there to support the clients and to support the, the, the teachers in a university and uh, to support the infrastructure of the system. So if they pull a lamp out of a box and it's a counterfeit, how are they supposed to know? No, I mean, the, until it, until literally they stick it in and it blows their projector up, how are they going to know? And they and these are the guys, as opposed to us who are buying from manufacturers because we have manufacturer relationships. A lot of these places might not have that manufacturer relationship, so they're going to be buying from the distributors and mm -hmm. these warehouses that are stocking lamps. So. Mm -hmm. Those are the guys that this is a bigger issue for because now it's, you know, so, I mean, this is a, a counterfeit crusading company who found, uh, who found fake lamps in their stock. So what are their clients supposed to do now if, if, that's, if that comes up? And I imagine, you know, in this case that there was a lot of outreach of, oh, hey, we found out that these were fake. Please verify and checking in with them and a lot of follow-up. I, I would probably give a great deal of credit given the effort that these guys have gone to just in the article itself. Yeah. Yeah. But how many people are going to be that responsible when they find fake lamps in their stock? Yeah, that's, that's or other point. fake products. Or other fake products. Yeah, that's a good yeah, point. And so often, you know, a lot of these in-house teams and, and smaller guys, whatnot, they're going after something strictly based on price point, and they look at it. And I, I know we just did one for a, an older Panasonic model, and the knockoffs bulbs were were like 120 bucks versus the manufacturer that's a 450 bulb. Yep, and 
you know, I'm talking to the the owner of the the company and saying, hey, you know, here's what it's going to be. And he's like, well, you know, I found one online for 150 <laughs> bucks, and it's it it says it's from Panasonic. And I'm like, yep, that's Amazon. And no, no, it's not. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, why can't I? Why can't I just do it? Because it, it's not, you know, it's not going to work. You're buying it'll a knockoff product. Well, you hope. Yeah. You hope at least you'll get some time out of it. But the the bigger issue is, what happens when they go and buy it, put it in, and it blows up as uh, as you said, Josh, it blows up their projector. Who who are they going to get mad at? Amazon? They're going to go no. after Amazon for it? No, they're going to yell at us. You or, or or Panasonic, you know, one of the two. Well, yeah. And here's the other issue: is it's not just it's just that. I mean, it, it, Matt does a lot of work with with House of Worships. I I still volunteer at my church. It's not those people, right? It, it, yes, churches are, are concerned with with yep. bottom line, and, and they sometimes they get a bad rap because they will they will inevitably find you know find this you know something else online cheaper, and, and then, you know, they can fine. find a knockoff. They can find a knockoff <laughs> for you know ten percent of what you're trying to sell it to them for. It, it it really comes down, and Josh mentioned this is is the technology managers, right? It, yep. It's the 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 guys and gals who support Microsoft. It's it's the the teams that work at UCLA or, or NYU. These folks have got a thousand, two thousand, three thousand AV rooms. Each one has a projector, and you start comparing the difference between. Let's say you have a thousand yeah. rooms, because I'm not good at math, and it's easy to round. And use Matt's ex- example: four fifty versus one fifty. Well, that's three hundred bucks times a thousand. Yep, it's a lot of money, you know. Uh, and when you're talking about budgets and stuff like that. And sometimes you're willing to roll the dice. I mean, you're, you're talking to a former technology manager here. Sometimes you're willing to roll a dice for thirty thousand dollars savings. Are you kidding me? You know, it, what's the, you know? Sometimes it's it's the, the whole the whole thought of what's the worst thing that can happen? <laughs> you know, I'm going to save thirty thousand dollars on one hand, and <laughs> but I might lose one or two projectors. Ah, they're you know. Well, it so. depends. You may lose a hand while you're doing it. Ah, don't no, those. That's what that's what that's what interns are for. <laughs> interns and student workers so nice all right moving but, but, on but again huh? that always comes that always comes back to and you know i'm this is one of the things that i can't stand is it, it's not always about the the bottom line it has to be about quality oh, yeah, absolutely and, and if you have if you if you care you know we're to a point in society where we're all about you know how cheap can i get this for versus how well can you make this work? Yeah. And if, especially for us in, you know, what we do in the tech field, if we can help to promote that, you know, let's do it right, not do it cheap, but do it right, do what the client needs and do what will serve the client best opposed to just what, what hits the bottom line the best, we'll, we'll, we'll slowly get away from this and we'll slowly knock out, um, you know, people making knockoff products because if we if we delete that market from them, there'll be nothing to, to sell it to. Yeah, no, that's true. Uh, you are listening to AV Week. That gentleman right there is Matt Scott from Omega Audio Video. Also with us is Josh Strago from ICS. Uh, one of the things that we might very well see at Infocom this year uh, is more, let's call it, twisted pair or, or video over IP stuff. Wirestorm this week, uh, according to CE Pro, is, is launching another line. Uh, of their HDMI over IP technologies based on uh, HD base T. Here's the thing, and this is something that I kind of, it was an epiphany last year, I guess. Uh, up until this point, up until last last Infocom, I had seen 
HC base T and AVB as as competitors, head to head competitors, and and you know you either in one camp or another, and and, and it, anymore I don't. HD uh, base T is a fine product; it, it's point to point, um, and AVB is a great product for doing distributed um, over the network and stuff like that. The question for you guys is this: um, you, you both mentioned seeing something, you know, being interested in seeing what Infocom what they're going to bring to Infocom this year. Where do we see this going? Uh, whether it's HD base T, whether it's AVB, whether it's something none of us have thought about yet, where do we see? Let's just call it the video over IP going in the next maybe five years. Josh, we'll start with you on this this one, sir. We're going to start with me. Yes. Uh, well, I did write the article a couple about a month ago where I got tired of hearing the AVB versus HD base T argument because it's not competitive. Mm. It's it's not, and. I put it up, it was interesting because I put that up on LinkedIn and I started a three week argument on LinkedIn where all anybody did was try and pick a winner. <laughs> oh, jeez. And the whole point of the article was to say AVB and HDBST are exactly what you said. One is a point to point solution, one is a distributed solution. But all anybody tried to do was say, oh, no, this is the one that's going to win. This is the one that's going to win. Yeah, well, and that's the way but, it felt like for like the mm, first year that both of them just, were kind of. Ex- we need another format war. Come on. Let's <laughs> have a format war. Oh, do you miss your beta? Is that what you're I saying? Do. I do. No, here's Come the thing. On. The last format war doesn't matter anymore because Blu-ray won and who cares? So, and yeah. now it's gone. And now Blu-ray's losing the yes. streaming. So there we go. There you are. <laughs> but in terms of where we're going to go with video over IP, I mean, SVSI started it. Uh, it's uh, that they were the guys that got in there first and they started putting video on the network and where Wirestorm is going with it on this one is a great progression for that. Um, and event, and we all know that this is the progression. Is put it all on the network. Put it all yeah. on the network. And, I mean, security systems are already doing it all across the network. The issue is going to come down to, at some point in time, all of these network backbones that have been constructed are going to have to be completely overhauled in order to handle the size, uh, the capacity of, of file movement across the network just because you know they, they went in and they built these gigabit switches and they installed all these to move all the data around and now more and more things are starting to land on the network and more and more things are going to continue to land on the network and we need to have the infrastructure set up to do that so at some point in time they're going to have to overhaul the whole system and that's just thinking from the idea of a single building now imagine all these companies that exist across a com- uh, across a state or across a country think google think uh, eBay, even you know, places, companies that uh, that have offices located all across the country. Well, now you want to start moving all of these signals across, you know, thousands of miles. How are you? How is the network infrastructure that's currently in place going to be able to handle that? Google Fiber. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Says the San Francisco boy. But go ahead. Woo-hoo. Beat me to it. So that's kind of. You know that's that's the bigger question in my mind is yes we're all it's eventually going to end up on the network I, you can call you can move HD base T if you want to keep it as an isolated solution but that's still you're looking at a twisted pair solution if you're going to go AVB you're going across the network if you're going to go um, one of the other ones that came up in the audio world re, uh, last last year two years ago was Rivana but nobody in the U S is talking about it at I've all I've never even heard of it what is it. Uh, it's another IP audio transmission solution, um, and it actually was mentioned. Re- it was it was brought up recently in another article, but it was. Um, oh, actually, it was brought up in one of the articles you sent us about the technology uh, f- moving uh, in the Olympics. They're using Ravana for for the way that they move their audio solutions around. Hmm. 
So it's it's another audio transmission, but nobody in the U.S. is talking about it at all. It's it seems to be a pretty much European standard that they're they're sort of living with. That's a, not AES sixty seven. That's not AVB. That's not Dante. That's not Gobernet. That's not. I'll even go Ether Sound on this. It's Ooh. another. Yeah, let's let's dig deep. So, Jeez. you know. <laughs> Every time we every time we say oh we found a new standard or we found where it's going somebody's going to come out the next week and there's going to be another one it's it's going to go that way until we really reach a point where something either does everything or everyone stops arguing about which one's better or uh, somebody settles the argument I'm sorry but none of those are going to happen Josh I know that's why I said <laughs> we're going to continue to have this until that happens Oh all right Mr. Scott where are we going with I with video over IP well, Josh was pretty he pretty much hit the nail on the head. It it will come down to the the formats won't matter as much as the infrastructure to support them. Because just as you said, you know, we can take it as bare bones as the the basic infrastructure across the country right now. It, it can barely support half of what we're doing. And you, you look at wanting to go to an uh, enterprise grade um, multi-location situation where you're running AVB or, or whatever over that already uh, slammed network, it's not going to happen. And the the deployment for something like Google Fiber, which just wasn't it just this week, it, it announced another uh, 20 cities or something like that. Mm-hmm. 34. Um, 34. 34. That's right. Um, that's not going to happen fast enough. We've got the Comcast Time Warner. Uh, merger potentially that that's that, going to happen too gets, fast. Yeah, if that gets approved, <laughs> yeah, very much so. But you know, once that gets approved, it, same thing. It's not going to help us today. We're still way too far away. We're still way too far away from having the infrastructure to support any of these things uh, effectively. Let alone, you know, when you throw into the mix that they want to start throwing 4K across the network. Uh, Netflix. Mm-hmm. What you know, we can't. I know locally here, uh, we have some fiber, very very limited, and our our other systems can't support that at all. We can barely support 1080p at full resolution Jeez. over the network. Let alone 4K. Let alone AVB. Let alone anything else. Well, let me ask you this, and then this is this is where I come in for when it comes to both Avenue Alliance and or the AVB and and HDVST. I don't see it as currently in the next, let's say the next year or so, um, a a wide area network. You know, a, a where it goes from city to city, or you're going from from town to right. town. Uh, I see it more local, right? It's it's about what's in the building or what's in the building next to you. Mm-hmm. That's where it's really going to do uh, the biggest. It's going to have the biggest impact currently. Right. Like let's yes. say again, the next year or two, and maybe just maybe by the time it gets to the point where it's going from you know L.A. to to Chicago, all the fiber will be done and we'll all serve Google and it'll be a happy happy. But even in even in a lot of local enterprise situations, they don't have the infrastructure currently to support it. The, the one article I was uh, that you said I think I was reading one of the comments mm-hmm. somebody had commented oh just put in a 40 uh, a 48 port Cisco managed switch and it'll handle I think they were talking about AVB and it'll handle everything da, 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 da. 
at 2K, and it was like, A, I know here we can't do that. That's not even a possibility. We're spending like six to get that. But half of the enterprise solutions that we service currently, they could not support that. Half the time we have to run full new deployments just to go to IP phone systems. Oh, wow. Just because, again, if unless it was built in the last, you know, three, four years, half the time, you know, you're, you're talking minimal cap five drops, let alone anything bigger. It, it, we've progressed so fast that unless you are one of those major corporate centers, you won't have any of this infrastructure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or they'll true. throw it on and it'll log, or not log, um, it'll bog everything down and inherently have just uh, way too many issues. Like, a- again, we see it all the time just in IP, uh, you know, connected phone situations, let alone throwing something much bigger on. No, that's true. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll we will have to see, seriously, because... But unless... I still want to fight. Uh, no. Fight. No, come fight. on. No. I, th- I think HDBTC is going to win. Let's, let's, let's do... Unless uh, AVB wins. Let's do AVB versus Dante. A- a- HDBTC oh. can win your heart. How about you but, but your infrastructure will be AVB. So. <laughs> All right. Um, we're going to... Here's the thing. I'm just going to start this and we'll... we'll there it is. DTP Crosspoint 84 switcher from, from Extron. Okay. <clears throat> <laughs> there is no love lost between me and Extron. I'm, I'm just, you know, let's be honest. And that's here. how the fight starts. And that's how it starts. Um, a couple of articles have come out. I've written one of them. Um, some other folks have written some, one of the ones more interesting one was said that said, um, this is the DTP cross point 84 switcher is Extron's, uh, foray into battling the Innova and Crestron DMPS, which is an all in one box. Um, my poorly written article just says, no, it's not. <laughs> just period. It's just. It was not. just that. It was one sentence. It was one no. sentence. No, it's not. <laughs> Actually, uh, the first place I heard about this was on LinkedIn, yeah, a month ago, and uh, our old friend Adrian Boyd said, actually asked that question. Said, well, "Is this going to be their their DMPS, their 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 competitor?" And I said, <laughs> my first response was, "No, it's not." And then you know he's like, "Well, why?" And I explained. Here's the thing. Okay, think about the Innova and the and the the uh, DMPS. You have three. Three AV products in one, all right? You can say four because it has an amplifier, too. So let's say four. You have a control system. You have a DSP and audio processor. You have a video switcher. And you have an amplifier. If you're missing one of those components, you're not competing. Period. End of sentence. It's not a competitive. It's not. You should not put it in the same category. It's a still, I'm sure, a fine switcher. DTP is something that Extron has worked an awful lot, an awful, awfully hard on, and they've got it right in the installation. In the installations that I've seen, it works fine. But this DTP Crosspoint Any Four switcher is not a DMPS killer. It is not even a DMPS um, fighter. It's not in the same category. It's simply not. Then you throw on the fact that both the DMP, the DMPS, and the Innova have legacy inputs on the back this thing has none it, it has uh, their dtp uh, input in, inputs which technically you could you know purchase the the transmitters for those it also has hdmi that's it right that's it that's what you've got 
you want video, it's going to have to be digital, or you're going to have to buy some sort of transmitter device. Both the Innova and the, and the uh, DMPS have that. Is that important for new installations? Probably not. But when you work in education or house of worship and you're, you're trying to uh, support legacy uh, connections, that's a big deal, right? Yeah. Uh, it's a huge deal. And that's where a lot of my you know, wheelhouse is, is education. Um, and that, because that's where it came from, right? That's, that was, that's, that's the big seller. Uh, that's how Crestron gets them. Uh, that's how they got me was the fact that you've got, you know, you, you walk in with whether, you know, the first MPS, which was, which was their quick media one. Here you go, guys, you know, you can do whatever you want, you know, and, and, you know, support your, your old stuff and make way for your new stuff. And this thing simply doesn't do it. Um, that's my soapbox. I will give you gentlemen, uh, time to either refute me, um, or do whatever you want to. Mr. Shrago will, will hit you, you first. Um, you're right. It's not, period. Uh, given one of the reasons that the DM has been so successful and one of the reasons that, you know, the AMX equivalent is also, uh, I don't use it as much. I, I tend to stick to the DM because I stick with what I've, uh, I've had the most exposure to, most, most training on, and I know is reliable. Um, one of the things that comes down to it is it's, there, there isn't an engineering aspect to it almost. It's very simple of you buy the box, you buy the, you know, the endpoints that you need to utilize for it, the scalers or the transmitters, whatever it may be, and you're done. Mm -hmm. That's it. Here, it's you're buying a box. Okay, well, now that you bought that box, now you need to add the scalers and the transmitters. And well, no, it, it has a scaler add. in it. It has a scaler built in. Okay, so yeah. with this, it's got the built-in scaler. Yeah. So for your single display solution, which again now you're minimizing it to to, uh, to that aspect, but with, and that's you know again where the DMPS has an advantage, uh, or the DMPS would have an advantage in that you've got multiple output potential over for for multiple displays. So mm -hmm. you know uh, think about all the uh, all the conference all these corporate conference rooms where you put a light, putting dual displays in for video conferencing. Okay, great. Now you're thrown out of that application because you need dual scalers, one for each. So there's that. That's gone. Um, you have no control system. You have to engineer that to work with it. And, and then on top, and then as you said, you know, it's even working. You know, I mean, you mentioned the fact that it's in education. You still see a lot of analog. Mm -hmm. I work in Silicon Valley. We still see a lot of analog. No. Oh yes. That's sacrilegious. It's still there. People still want it. People still want it to be a part of it. And. Uh, what you end up, and basically it just boils down to because you don't know what people are coming in with, and so they want to still have a VGA connection on a lot of these wall plates. They want to still have, uh, I mean, yes, you're going to see applications where it is straight uh, DisplayPort or HDMI. We see that becoming more commonplace in the new designs, mm -hmm. but that's not what's currently installed. Yes. And if you want to integrate to what's currently in the world, now you're shooting yourself in the foot. So. Yeah, it's there, but and then of course you know you get into the 4K aspect and the you know the 30 hertz versus 60 hertz mm. and uh, grumble, grumble, grumble. Young, well, it, uh, it, it, the thing, reason I, I in the article I wrote, I, you know, I put the 4K thing there, but let's be honest. I mean, Crestron last week, ISE said that they're doing 4K ish stuff too, and that's it's not. Yeah, it, it is, but it's it's not. So, I mean, I, I don't I. I Put that in the article that I uh, that I wrote, but you know, all of them are doing 4K exactly the same. So it's it's 4K. Yeah, thank you for the yeah for the air quotes. Yeah, 4K. Air quote. Yeah. It's... 
Uh, yeah, we're calling it 4K. It may be 4K. We don't know yet. You know what? You, you, you'd be better served to call it UHD. <laughs> Ultra high. <laughs> <laughs> Just don't use the 4K. Well, now you're getting into a resolution war. Uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, Why it's, not? it's something over 1080p. Yes, That's what yes. We've got for you. We're not quite sure something what. Something better than 1080. I didn't say better. I just... 1081. <laughs> uh, Mr. Scott, oh my gosh. go ahead. Well, you know, th this is one of those areas where I am not as as skilled as both of you because pardon nothing sorry I just i had a weird connection i'm on mobile it happens it happens um the moose must have stopped in the uh the network <laughs> so, yeah, give him another carrot he'll be fine um anyways you know so i i don't I, I don't deal with this on a daily basis like you guys do calm down josh it's okay the moose <laughs> just got me i couldn't help it <laughs> they have meese in, in canada yes but you know, that being said, this is one of my issues that I see all the time in all, all facets of our industry. We get into these little competitive, you know, kind of the same as the AVB conversation. We get into these little competitive comparisons of this is the same as this. Well, it's really not. And it, it so rarely is something where you can put product A and product B on a pedestal side by side and they do the exact same thing and we're going to actually shoot out which one's better. Yeah. They all have all these little intricacies that make one more suited for this project than this is suited for that product. Granted, most people kind of know where I uh, uh, stand on the uh, uh, on the Extron situation and, and how they've supported and not supported us in the last couple of years and some of the products that they've brought that are kind of goofy and silly. But I, I said it. I sell it. It's okay. Yeah. Um, but, you know, every time I see so many people in our industry get on and start whining and complaining about, you know, getting into these little grudge matches as if we said that their kid sucks at soccer, um, it, we're not. We're, we're, we're literally just trying to have a discussion about the product. And if they match up and they are actually comparable yeah. properly – then yes, let's have a discussion. But, you know, I'm in a parking lot right now, Mike, AV, Brands, as you just asked, um, and I'm in my truck. It's a Yukon. The car beside me is a VW Rabbit. Yes, they're both cars. <laughs> they're both cars. See, look, you can see it. Little oh VW. My. It's convertible. Cabriolet. Fancy. Um, they're both cars. They will both get you from point A to point B. A, I, I couldn't drive one, ever. But B... It, it's not like it, yes, it's a car. Can we compare them outside of the fact that they're both cars? No. Yeah, but My at least they is... both have four wheels. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <It> means... <laughs> and, and both the, D, the both the Crestron DM products have power supplies, and so does the Xtron. They both have power supplies. They both are made of metal. Great, awesome. That's it, where they differ. Not... <laughs> Sorry. It's not it's not the same thing, no. you know, so it, it drives me mad to see all this because for someone like myself, if I'm going in to spec one of these products and I'm calling up someone because I, you know, I need some help or the distributor is not really helping me or the manufacturer isn't giving me the info I need and I go to Google search it and all I get is all this bickering back and forth that doesn't actually answer any of the questions we're actually asking. It's just useless drivel. And I think that's one of the things that drives me crazy about these little comparisons all the time is that 
when they're not the same, stop trying to compare them. Yeah. Because they're they're not. They're not comparable. They're two completely different products when it comes down to actual application uses. Yeah, absolutely. And now I'm off my soapbox, but I'm still still sitting in my car. Well, Well, and and it's actually it's actually interesting about one one thing you brought up there. It it you know they're different products. What happens when two manufacturers might actually produce two products we could put on pedestals and compare A to B? At what point then do the patent lawsuits begin? Well, and they always will. And they always will. But here's the thing. I mean, the reason I I mentioned the the AMX because I I I I've I've used their product. I've used their product. Uh, I, I've tested their product out. I've, I've demoed it uh, for for the college I used to work for, so I've actually had had my hands on it, and I'm not aware of any patent lawsuits between Extron and, and or between Crestron and, and AMX. But they both that, that those would be two two products I would put in the same category, right? Because again, they have the four basic mm-hmm. components of an all-in-one box. They have a, a processor, a control processor. They have an audio processor, video. And, and an amplifier, and that's you know, so anyhow. Okay, so here, here's my my uh, example for for that. Yes, we're a big Lutron house. We sell a lot of Lutron, a lot of Radio Raw, uh, you know, good stuff. They are in a perpetual lawsuit with Crestron, yeah, as Crestron is with Lutron over the uh, InfiniX DX dimmers, I believe it is. They're, you know, they hired Lutron engineers to come over and then make this product. They're the same bloody product. They're both dimmers. They work identically the same. Yet you can still get into debates with people, and I've done it, over which one's better. And in all honesty, they're they're bloody dimmers. They're kind of pretty much the same. They're they're you know again they're in a patent suit over essentially how much money company A is going to pay company B for every dimmer they sell because they're the same product. The only difference is one is controlled natively by Lutron, one is controlled natively by Crestron. But they're the same. So, you, yeah, you can have that comparison. But all these other ones where, you know, again, it, it's it's different, there, there is no comparison. No. And, again, we're not talking we're not talking to speaker. We're not talking a loudspeaker with a 15-inch woofer and a silk dome tweeter that sits, you know, on a stick and is powered by the same wattage as, you know, company B's loudspeaker. So, yeah, those, sure, compare the heck out of them. They're speakers. Who cares? They can be pretty much identical. What? And they'll just <laughs> sound a little different. And, and, and in that same vein, though, Matt, they're switchers. Who cares? And I... What? Yeah, I, mean, I know, but look, look at the comments. I know, I know. Believe look me. at all the freaking comments. I, I every time I see these these diatribes from people, I always come back to the, what do you guys do? I need your job, because if you've got this much time to post crap on LinkedIn and Twitter and Facebook and all these other websites, good lord, God, if I had that much time, I I don't another country. You do. You own Canada. All right. Why not? Um, and what's the, other, the other thing about the extra one is I actually won lunch uh, because part of what's interesting, the way they're marketing this and they're positioning this, um, one of the guys I work with now, he's like, we were talking about the, the connectors on the back. And he just assumed that since, you know, they were marketing it as an all-in-one box that it had, you know, some compo- or some, some sort of analog com- uh, components on the back. 
And I said, no, it doesn't. And so we, we bet lunch over it. And sure enough, you know, so that, that's part of part of, I guess, where, where my my positioning on this is, is it's it's somewhat dangerous for those who are specking the the, the product um, because of the way Extron is, is positioning this. They're positioning it as an actual all in one product comparable to the DMPS or the or the Innova. Um, and it's simply not. So. All right. That's all I've got. Uh, and that's going to do it for this week, guys. Uh, thank you both so much for joining us. Uh, Matt for giving up, getting up late and Josh for getting up early. Uh, uh, Josh Drago. <laughs> I was up early. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> He's from ICS. Also, go to his website, soundreason.org. Thank you, sir. Uh, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Where can people find you besides the website and the Twitter? Uh, website, Twitter. You can also find me on LinkedIn. That's uh, where you'll be bombarded with my never-ending articles on my website, the Red Band website, and I Infocom's All Voices blog. And where where can they watch you teach away this uh, summer at Infocom 2014? On June 19th at 10:30 a.m., you can sign up for the IS043 Infocom <laughs> University Audio DSP Fundamentals course and hang out with me for an hour and a half. And again, DSP fundamentals are gain structure. You're gonna we're teaching. Build. We're going to be focusing on gain structure. We're going to be focusing on what all of the elements are, and really getting back to basics of uh, audio education. You be doing any auto mixing in that class? I'll probably mention it. Okay, I hate. Will you have tables and chairs in that class? Only if Infocom provides them. Will you have coffee? Okay. Well, if if they're comfy, I'll have then, coffee. That doesn't mean I'll, I'll come take coffee a for now. you. <laughs> All right. Uh, Mr. Scott, thank you so much. Where can people find you? You can find me on uh, Twitter and the Facebooks and everything else, uh, either under Omega Audio Video or Matt D. Scott. You can also visit us on uh, our website at omegaaudiovideo.com and uh, all the other fun fun stuff. You can catch my, my stuff on SCN and a couple other couple other sites. Yeah, I was, I was thumbing through that the other day, and I was, you know, I'm like, holy crap, I know that guy. Hey, in print. In print, no less. In print. Yeah. It's almost fancy, fancy. Yeah. Uh, shh. <laughs> Don't. They'll never let me across the board. How, mu- how much did you pay Kirsten for that, by the way? How much do I pay Kirsten yeah. for that? Just a lot. Mainly for the headshot. Uh, well, it's a nice headshot. Well, you know. Yeah. All right. <laughs> uh, don't follow me. Uh, go by the website because uh, Mr. Scott is a very talented webmaster as well. Uh, he did the website. So, avnation.tv, avnation.tv. You'll find this program and a ton of others. Uh, sometime next week, we're doing uh, a state of control. Uh, I have a new education uh, ed tech coming down the line, a new AV social coming up, uh, a whole bunch of stuff. So, yeah, go by the website, avnation.tv, avnation.tv. Thanks so much for listening. It's all the time we have for AV Week. Thank you.